Happy holidays, family, friends, and colleagues. May the 2024 New Year be infused with wonder, community, and rejuvenation. I reunited with my friend Lisa Stewart at the PCORI annual meeting a few months ago. Lisa suggested that she interview me for the new year. When I met Lisa, she was Senior Engagement Officer and Health Equity Advisor at PCORI, the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute. Currently, Lisa is Principal at Torchlight Engagement Advisors and Leadership Coaching. Her joy lives in connecting ideas, people, and groups for organizations serious about improving the health outcomes of overburdened communities through health equity strategy, implementation, and integration, cross-sector partnerships, impact investing, and capacity building. We ponder privilege, listening, bitching, travel, family, and music. Hang on. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged, cisgender, old white man of privilege who knows a little bit about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. You'll listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of healthcare. Let's make some sense of all of this. Like what you're reading, hearing, or watching? Go to the link tree slash health hats for all things health hats. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash health hats, one word. Thank you. Hi. Lisa Stewart. Lovely to see you. Danny. (laughs) Lovely to be seen and lovely to be here with you. So we had this wild and crazy idea that maybe it was time for Danny to be interviewed. Right. (laughs) And we're going to turn the tables on Danny. And what better time of year to do it? Right. As, as we march into 2024 and we start thinking about the life we want to lead, what we want to get out of it, what we want to do, what we want to do differently. And you know, to be in conversation with you anytime, Danny, is a joy to narrow down on this topic. I'm really thrilled about. So, yeah, we can dig in. Is there anything you want to say? It's such an interesting thing to do. This business of like reflection on my podcast, I I always start with a proem. Proem is like a, a preface. Why are we having this conversation? Why this guest? Why this topic? Whatever. And then a reflection at the end, done like after production. Um, so the interview, the producing, the editing, and then, okay, like, what was this? Were there pearls here? Is there one more story to tell? Um, But the reflection is important. 
even though I'm not really a backward-looking guy. I say that. I guess that's just BS. <laughs> tell, tell me okay. more about what you think you... All right, so I guess, and then I guess what I think I mean by that is you know, life has ups and downs. It's just the way it is. You, know, you can't have an up without a down. You know, if everything is flat, there's no ups and downs. And you know, it sounds boring to me. I have a chronic illness. And do this thing where you know like i'm pathologically optimistic right that's my 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 style what i've had to learn and what other people who are pathologically optimistic have taught me is that you need to take two minutes periodically and just vent and do the life sucks woe is me um stuff but mostly, I don't really want to look back and think, woe is me. So that's what I mean by not looking back. What is and what are we going to do now? That's mostly what I mean. Very Okay. And so do you have a ritual around your two-minute releases? Well, that's a really it? good question. The person that introduced me to this idea um, was the dean of the uh, UMass Graduate School of Nursing, who herself had lots of health problems. And we recognized this in each other. And so, you know, and so we were both saying you know, we needed to, you know, it did suck. But she had breast cancer and surgery and the whole thing. And you know, I had been newly diagnosed with MS. And so then she went, oh, she didn't have a watch on, but she looked at her wrist and she said, okay, you got two minutes, start now. And so I bitched and then she did. And it was hysterical, actually. Because first of all, it's really hard to bitch for two minutes straight and be creative. So you can't like bitch like say the same thing over and over again until so two minutes is like a really long time and then after a while it's just absurd so so now um, i have a, a friend um i just texted her um, yesterday we need a bitch session and so she's ready and I, I did it with my wife a few times and she's lovely and it's fine to do, but I have somebody else who's dealing with whatever insanity. It's different. I love how you called out the like art between starting the bitching and then recognizing that oh. there's absurdity in it, right? Like it's almost you in the process itself lands you in a place of back right. to the word reflection. Right. And out of that, you get to see the, the kind of kernels in it of. of, of yeah, that, yeah. Right? Well, it is what it is. And um, I was born this way. I didn't do anything to be pathologically optimistic. 
maybe because I was the child of Holocaust survivors who are um, both um, catastrophizers and pathologically optimistic. Um, I, I inherited that. And so whether I inherited through genes or learned, I, I did. And um, it works. It works for me. Um, and I really feel like you know, there are ups and downs, you know, obviously. You know, my downs are in the middle of the night when I'm just laying there catastrophizing. And, um, uh, but I do know that um, there are two things that affect my symptoms the most. One is when I don't drink water, and the other is when I'm in a down. Symptoms are worse. They're just worse. It's just, it just is. So a question. Um, so your optimism, <laughs> pathological optimism, as you call it, does that ever piss people off, particularly other, you know, people who are living with chronic illnesses? Um, do you ever get any blowback? No. Really, on the other, it's the other way. It's that, um, let's see, like people think it is so cool that I'm optimistic. And I'm thinking, you guys have no idea. You know what I mean? I think like, um, I didn't do anything for this. And so many people have depression with whatever they're dealing with. And that's what they're dealing with. And so I didn't do anything. I mean, I'm a you know, two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege. And I have so much going for me. So I'm a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who's pathologically optimistic. And so I could count my blessings. <laughs> at the opening, you say yeah. what you normally do. Is, it sounds like you kind of record and then you go back and you yeah. figure out what the themes are and then do a wraparound, right? So, but you have some idea going into it what you're trying to impart, what 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 you want episode to say. So, what do you want this episode to say? I think that um, you know, I, uh, I like to report on and reflect on some of the basic things in my life, like so my health, my family, um, my work. And music, you know, these are the big things in my life. And um, they're all going swimmingly. Um, I would say the most interesting thing to me is, is a center around music. Um, because in my professional life, I am really good at what I do. I'm as good as anybody anywhere, I think. But music, not so much, and so it's um, it's the it's the place of humility for me, and um, uh, I really um, I really work at it. I play every day, and when I say every day, I 
320 days a year. So unless I'm traveling or I'm just so busy with something, I play music. And that is, it's great. It's the best thing ever. And um, it's one of the things that like I do with my grandkids. So I do with my grandkids, both my podcasting work and my music. Um, and I have a 15-year-old grandson and a 12-year-old grandson. Uh, one lives upstairs and one lives about eight or nine miles away. And um, they're on my production team. So that's just a hoot and a half. Um, uh, my uh, grandson, Leon, who lives upstairs, is a really good written word editor. So he helps me take the transcripts and turn that into newsletters. And Oscar, who's 12, is a really good um, video editor. And so he coaches me a lot on video editing. And, and then they're both musical. And so Oscar spent the night this weekend and um, pulled out his laptop and you know, um, pulled up Muse score and said, oh, Opa, let's write something. Oh, and we like you know, just worked on a four bar ditty. Anyway, so they're, they're, that's really fun to have. Yeah, I love how this come together. <laughs> it's great. And they're, they're, um, they're, they're expert. So, um, and I learn a lot from them. And, um, and so that ties into them to another thing, which is um, that in my, my work, my advocacy work and my podcasting, I'm really aware that I'm an old fart. You know, I mean, I'm 71 and, and I've, I'm on my way out and um, I feel like my, my audience is in their mostly 50s, 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s, older. It's like um, veterans, people who are veterans in the in the business. And there's a lot of young people out there. So when I say young people, I mean 25, 30, 40, who are in advocacy. And what are they dealing with? What's their issues? And where do they live? You know, where do they hang out? And how do they communicate? Which again is nice with the grandkids because they're a lot more familiar with Instagram and one minute stuff as opposed to long form. Right. And so so I'm trying to um, I'm trying to move in that direction. So are you listening to any podcasts um, or like how are you well, I've been, that's a really good question. Um, it's really hard to create time to listen. 
Oh, because first of all, I'm full of myself and I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and listening is another thing. So one of the nice things about podcasting is that then I can force that. And so I just finished doing a series on emerging adults with um, mental illness. And I started with a couple of emerging adults who are in recovery from their mental illness issues. And then parents, teachers, you know, and did a spiral of, um, out of, so it's like I can bring in people and then make them part of my process. But I've also been um, learning about different groups like um, Generation Patient and Students with Psychosis and the Camden Coalition, which are all places where there are younger people um, either supporting people with chronic illness or have chronic illness. Um, and so trying to become part of those spaces. And I'm still learning to do yeah. that. So if I want to say if I have a goal for the year, it's, um, it's both listening and contributing in those spaces, which is really a hoot. Um, but the time is, again, you know, doing, like now that I'm doing video and at, actually adding this like short form, you know, like doing clips for YouTube shorts and Instagram, man, doing good one minute stuff is hard. It is really time consuming. Um, and, you know, and me, I, I don't do anything simple. So I, I just can't help it. And I'm learning something new. So, you know, I'm, and I'm you know, music. How do I put my music in that? You know, what are the images? You know, um, what is my ask? What am I expecting from people? Oh, it's not just that I'm putting something out. It's like there's, what is advocacy? There's like an ask. Is like, you know, contribute. What do you think? Um, how do you stimulate? You know? And so then going on those sites and hanging out, you know, and for at first lurking in different groups, you know, and, and usually like generation patient. This is people who are in their 20s and it's worldwide. And um uh and so and I'm 71. And you know, so Snea Dave is the executive director of a generation patient, a brilliant person, just brilliant. And um, so Snea, do you mind? I'm lurking on your could be creepy, right? And, and she's like, oh, yeah, for sure. We love it. We love having you, you know, just, you know, whatever you want. Um, so, 
could totally see how that's invigorating, right? And we need that. We to bolster us and also to, we have a lot of value to give. I'm putting myself in your category, Danny, but like recognizing that and so what's the return of value to them? So Yeah, and, and I've had my chance. I can't say that I've had much impact. I think that I've had impact in that I've um, encouraged and celebrated people and initiatives. Um, and I feel like, you know, like my work with Picori, I feel like, you know, for me, this is, you know, a career capper. Um, this is an opportunity to influence things on a pretty big scale. Um, but really, I've had my chance. And um, I don't have that, like, I don't care um, attitude anymore. Like, you know, I mean, I was energetic and stupid and um, creative. Um, and, and you got to... We need that. And so my time is over. It's the people who are in their 30s and 40s now who, you know, maybe they can make a difference. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us would dispute that you haven't made a big <laughs> impact, Danny. And I would even say, just to give the audience some context mm -hmm. of how we know each other, one of my <laughs> earliest memories of you was... So I was observing a meeting, an advisory board, advisory committee meeting, and I remember you cutting through a lot of BS, laying it on the line, as only Danny can do. And it was like a recognition of, wow, you're holding it up. And it's, it's not just that you were bringing your experience. You very rarely speak from an eye space, right? And, but it's really... And you're, your hallmark is that you really bring the voices of many into the room and you hold it down. They should be feeling really comfortable that you're bringing them into the room in the best way you can. Thank you. That's really nice. In my PCORI trajectory, one of the things that was really important to me um, is feeling like, okay, so I am this two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege and here I have a seat. And who am I the right person in that seat? What about a, a, a woman of color? What about, um, uh, there's so many other people that don't have the opportunity, you know, to sit where I sit. And, um, but I've gotten feedback. You know, oh, you have the seat, use it. You know, just use it and you know, open the door and go for it. Forget it. You are who you are. You, know, you can't do anything about it. That you're a two-legged sister, old white man privilege. You were born that way. And, <laughs> and there you are. So use it. And that was really helpful. And look, that questioning, interrogating, and, you know, why me a little bit, it, it's what can keep us humble, right? 
keep us in the space of, of who, asking yeah. ourselves, who are we serving? Because in every room that I've been in with you, Danny, one thing that you are trumpeting loud and clear is like, get to the community. Like, I'm not the community. Like, you're very clear. I, I am not yeah. all communities, but we need a footprint. We need to get in, get to those communities. So thank you. Hats off to you. Hats off. Um, I need your help as I expand my audience to younger people in advocacy. I'm doing more in short form videos. Please help by pointing me to communities of young advocates and channels and hashtags they use so I can listen and learn. I now have one URL for all channels and media. That's Linktree slash Health Hats. Linktree is spelled L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E and then slash Health Hats, one word, where you can subscribe, access episodes, my website and social media, and search the Health Hats archive. Your support is appreciated. Please visit Linktree slash Health Hats. Thank you. I kind of want to get a little bit. Okay. So music, you know, you talked about and what's we we've intentionally not use the word resolution, <laughs> but <laughs> should there be anything that you want to see for you and your musical development or music in 2024? What would that be? So you play the Barry Sax, right? So Barry Sax. I have a teacher and I've been studying with the same guy for 15 years, 16 years. He's a, a sax professor from Berkeley uh, College of Music or whatever it's called. Um, great guy. Um, and um, it's really lately, like the last couple of years, I feel like I've really um, taken a leap. And like really basic things like counting to four. Like when I say counting to four, I'm just like knowing four bars. This is four bars, which may sound like when you can't count to four, you get lost. <laughs> and which was like my problem, especially in soloing. Like I have no idea where I am in the form. So that's something that I accomplished this year is I can count to four. I'm like, it's just so exciting. And it sounds like really stupid, but it's really fundamental. And um, and so so now what I'm trying to do is like play in a Latin band. And uh, it's a very egalitarian group. Just lovely people. Lovely, absolutely lovely. Very warm and interested and forgiving and experimenting. And so... What I'm gearing up now is I want to like be the leader for a tune so where it's my, um, I'm like, this is making suggestions about how we arrange it and listen and count people in, you know, who's soloing and, you know, um, and I've like purposefully 
not taking a leadership role in music because I take a leadership role in everything and um, I can't help it. It's who I am. And, um, and it was nice not to do that, you know, somewhere, have a part of my life where, you know, I'm, I'm the front line. And now I want to bring in a tune. I'll introduce the group to a tune. So that's one thing. And then um, one of my goals is to uh, compose something with my grandsons. Mm. So, um, and they're psyched, you know. So oh, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that they want to do this with me. But you know, I think, I don't know. They're just like, yeah, I don't know. I think Oscar's like, he plays piano, he plays guitar, he just got a clarinet. Um, and Leon plays piano, and he played trumpet for a while, and I think he's interested in saxophone. So, and, and they're both imitating music electronically. Um, so, yes. Oh, I don't know. I feel like, uh, no, I do know. You know, I, this is something I want to do this year. No, it's a here. <laughs> Can you see it? It's a big horn. Yeah. Which has been, you know, and it's certainly been an issue for me. Um, over the last couple of years, I can't, I can't carry it anymore. Um, it's, it's too heavy and my back can't take it. Um, having gear is really challenging. But a couple of years ago, Jeff, my teacher, he found this company in Germany that made these stands so that I can, you know, put the horn in the stand and um, either sit or stand and play. Um, and then the band are my roadies, you know, so they're lovely and just so willing to haul my, my stuff. Um, and then I got a, um, I got a, uh, what's called an EWI, E-W-I. It's a, um, it's a wind synthesizer. So it, it plays like a horn in that it has you know, like a penny whistle or, you know, or a recorder. It, that kind of fingering, and but it's a uh, mm -hmm. instead of having a piano that's a synthesizer, um, you know that you can use different sounds. I got this, and I've been trying to play it some. It's a whole different instrument, um, but I, I always think as, ahead about progression. You know, I have a progressive illness, and um, there will come a time where uh, maybe there won't, but oh, I, I'm a, I'm a like um, let's face it and um, prepare. And if it doesn't happen, okay, thank you. Um, it's likely to. And um, what am I going to do? I want to keep playing music, so I got something that's light and you know different, and so. 
So since you've been playing, your illness has, has changed. I have to say, right. I've been really fortunate. The last four years, I've been stable. And um, oh, thank you, Lord. Um, oh, it's, I know that if it, if I stay like that, okay, I stay like that. But, um, oh, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I feel that's the catastrophizing in me. You know, it's like, yeah, someday it's not going to be. I, whether it's from MS or because I'm an old man and I have as my primary care doc, she says, you're still uh, an old white man and you have old white man issues. And I'm here to help you take care of your old white man issues. <laughs> oh, so there's that, right? <laughs> I wasn't born without a prostate. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> When you, I have seen musicians very up in age who at the time were at a stage in life where they had limited mobility, needed quite a bit of assistance to get on stage, their instrument, or got to the key. Yes. You could physically see it, a change, and it all just came through. Like, the aging process had not happened, had been right. suspended. Look at Tony Bennett. Earlier time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Have you experienced any of that? Like you, you may not be physically feeling great and then you pick up your instrument and you have a moment of where you're feeling differently physically in your body. No, for me, it's more like my first neurologist when um, I got diagnosed um, and he found out that I was playing saxophone. He said he has got nothing that compares to playing the saxophone. So I have um, intercostal involvement, you know, so my lung muscles, breathing muscles, and I play this big horn like every day. I have dexterity issues. I play this big horn with heavy keys. Music creates new brain pathways and it's good for the soul. And he says, I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing that's going to come close. And so his thing was always, have you fallen? And are you still playing the saxophone? You know, um, so I, for me, it's more long term. Like you feel, if I go away for two weeks and I don't bring my horn, which you know, it's too big to bring, uh, it's one of the reasons I got the wind synthesizer. You know, it weighs like a pound, you know? Um, you know, maybe two pounds in the case, three pounds. Still, anyway, so anyway, so, and then when I don't play, I can tell. I can definitely tell. Um, it doesn't take long to recover. 
Well, that's a great thing. Um, it doesn't take long to recover, but really um, for that, it's like movement, movement and playing the horn and drinking water. Those are the three you know, main things. And certainly you know, I've been happily married for 48 years and um, I got great kids and great grandkids. Those all on meaningful work and friends and all of that. You just named it, Danny, like the rest yes. of your So um, one more thing I want to um, include, and then I want to wrap it up, is that um, okay. the other thing that's been big for us, us meaning my wife and I, is travel. And we've been, um, we've uh, done the Camino, which is a, um, a, a pilgrimage in Europe a couple of times. And last year we went to Costa Rica. The thing that was interesting about Costa Rica, which really helped, is Costa Rica is like such a not um, accessible country, right? It's mountainous. It's rural. It's, um, it's just not. But everywhere you go, there is somebody who is totally tuned in to disabilities and is thinking about what to do to help you. The, the idea that, that a country was like really aware of that as a national thing is is just yeah. was fascinating. I really think traveling with a disability is such a hoot um, on so many levels. I mean, just like sitting in a chair and traveling is you, know, you see a lot of behinds and a lot of kids, you know, and and I like that. I like experiencing what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? What can I do? Um, you know, it's fun to see the world um, that closely, you know, hiking or riding or whatever. And so that, I like doing that. We've decided you know, a couple of years ago, that's our priority. You know, it came because it was like, are oh, we going like, to upgrade the bathroom or travel? And, you know, travel. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm with you. So what do you think is the difference, though? You, you pointed to, look at this ethos, this kind of thing that happens in the people um, that, that's different here. What do you think it's about us? Well, I think for them, let's put it that way first. I think with Costa Rica mm -hmm. is that a, tourism is a huge business. And when this fellow, um, Juve, who was our guide, um, and it just turned out he was you know, gr the grandfather of doing this. And uh, so I just lucked out into that relationship. Um, so he just, he started stuff. And then the government took it over. And so you know, they have a certification process for guides. They, they think about 
know, equipment and sites. Anyway, but what's here? I think this is a country that thinks a lot about itself. And not so much personal support is uneven. There's still plenty of people who are really helpful. And usually all you have to do is ask and people help. But um, it varies. It varies a lot. And so that was really interesting because it made me realize that we all need help. Um, and somebody with disabilities needs a particular kind of help. Very different kinds of help because the whole constellation of kinds of help people need. Um, I think institutionally, we're not oriented to helpfulness or that we don't see, we're oriented to money and we don't see how helpfulness pays um, which is just bizarre to me. maybe because it's got a long tail but we're more of short-term gratification um so i don't know it'll be interesting as you travel the world to continue yeah. to pick up those differences and contrast i'm wondering if it's, it's you know, one ingredient is, and that is a discomfort. Yeah. Difference. So I want to wrap this up. So, um, Let's do it. Any words of wisdom from you? Words of wisdom. I'm drawing a <laughs> blank. <laughs> I'm to, uh, I want to wish you a fantastic 2024, Danny. Like just just to recap, on your list of things that you want to pursue and that you will make happen in 2024, they fall on the space of the things that you love the most. Family, mm-hmm. traveling, music, learning and being around younger generations, and an activist continuing to be an activist in the way you do best. Sounds great. Is that right? All right. So here's another one. Okay. Another one is that we should schedule like a quarterly get together. Just keep tabs because I am really. Oh, oh, absolutely. Because I, I, I've been totally selfish in this time. I, I haven't heard about what you're doing, and um, I wanna, I wanna, um, I wanna hear more. Uh, I, I, um, we have a mutual admiration society here. I, I really, uh, I respect your what you do and um, the influence that you've had for me, and what I see you've had in. Know the circles where we've had common ground. Um, so I want to know more about what you're doing. So actually, I what I'd like to do is maybe let's do another one, say in January. I don't want to wait three months. Um, let's do something in January, okay. and this time, and that's, and then it's about you. Like you tell me what you're doing. All right, okay. all right, honey. Have that's a nice uh, holiday. Best to you and your family. You too. Okay. Same, same. 
Bye. All right. Take care. Have a good holiday. Bye-bye. So, life is good. Crazy good. I couldn't ask for more. The word for the year is advantage. Here's 10 takes on advantage. In every adversity, there lies the seed of an equivalent advantage. Robert Collier. I've been blessed with the opportunity to express the views of black people who otherwise don't have access to power in the media. I have to take advantage of that while I'm still bankable. Spike Lee. Why is it that if you take advantage of a corporate tax break, you're a smart businessman? But if you take advantage of something so you don't go hungry, you're a moocher. John Stewart. I feel like I'm creative, and I want to take advantage of that. Lil Peep. One advantage of marriage is that when you fall out of love with him, or he falls out of love with you, it keeps you together until you fall in again. Judith Bjorst. I think that has to do with my awareness that, in a sense, we all have a certain measure of responsibility to those who have made it possible for us to take advantage of the opportunities. Angela Davis. There's only one life. There's no repeats. You only get one life, and you got to take advantage of it. Victor Cruz. There may be an evolutionary advantage for schizophrenia genes during famine. Feng Feng Zhang. My only advantage as a reporter is that I'm so physically small, so temperamentally unobtrusive, and so neurotically inarticulate that people tend to forget that my presence runs counter to their best interests. Joan Didion. The advantage of being 80 years old is that one has had many people to love. Jean Renault. Write and produce Health Hats the Podcast with assistance from Kayla Nelson and Leon and Oscar Van Leeuwen. Music from Joey Van Leeuwen. I play Barry Sachs on some episodes alone or with the Lechuga Fresca Latin Band. I buy my hats at Selma Gundy, Boston, and my coffee from the Jennifer Stone Collective. Links in the show notes. I'm grateful to you who have the critical roles as listeners, readers, and watchers. Subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. See you around the block.